1: Listeners, welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 144 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, Linda Cervich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. So I guess this is officially the first uh, 2022 to 2023 off-season edition of A Pot of Their Own, sadly. (laughs) Sad trombone. Uh, Sad trombone. We did not think that we would be in this position. Sad trumpets, I guess. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we were gearing up for a very exciting playoff run on the part of the Mets that did not end up materializing. Um the last time we recorded the Mets had just been swept by the Braves in the la- in the second to last series of the season um which essentially sealed the Mets' fate of being a wild card team rather than the NL East winner. Um, But they were still, you know, heading to the playoffs. So it was still, you know, there was still some optimism to be had, nonetheless. But they were very swiftly bounced in the playoffs in the wildcard round by the San Diego Padres, who are currently playing against the Philadelphia Phillies in the NLCS, a matchup that truly everyone saw coming.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know if it's just the pessimistic side of me, but we all wrote, our our wild card predictions, and I was the only one who predicted a loss, and I was like, "Oh no, everybody's has faith <laughs> and it just it's just the way they were playing all september it just it wasn't that shocking to me as much as I hate to admit it. it just seemed like that brave series just like you said, it sealed their feet, and they had nothing left, yeah, it did sort of feel that way.
1: I I admit that the vibes were bad going into the, the playoff series, but I did think that the Mets were still a superior enough team to the San Diego Padres to pull it together. Alas, they did not. Um,
0: the pitching scared me. I just, if it was the Phillies, I could have seen them being the Phillies, but I just, it was that pitching, the Padres pitching. I just, I didn't see them beating them.
1: Yeah, I definitely like in my prediction, I said that the Mets were going to lose game one and then win the series. And like, I did think that they were going to get totally owned by you Darvish, which they did. Um, yeah. That was very predictable. You Darvish had owned them all season. Obviously anything can happen in a short series. And sometimes, you know, a pitcher just doesn't have it that day and it is what it is, but you know, all signs pointed to the Mets, not really doing much off of you Darvish. So that did not surprise me. And then, you know, The Mets did win the game that Jacob DeGrom pitched, and that didn't surprise me either. Um, I think game three was kind of the dark horse surprise game. Not necessarily the surprise game, but kind of the dark horse game. That was always going to be. Like, I would have been shocked if either team had swept, honestly. Um, Yeah. So it was always going to come down to that third game, and... It was just going to simply come down to whether the Mets could get it done against Joe Musgrove. They didn't. And whether, you know, Chris Basket could get his act together. He didn't. So it just was what it was. <laughs> um, yeah. But the, the I guess, most interesting part of game three was, I mean, the, Met, the Mets got shut out. Like, they, they got embarrassed. Um, and they the Mets, uh, you know, Buck Showalter Walter uh asked the umpires to do a sticky stuff check on Joe Musgrove in the middle of the game, um, which I think people have very strong opinions about. Um, Gary Cohen said after the game that he felt that it was embarrassing that the Mets did that 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 it was bad that Buck Walter did that because it made the Mets look really foolish because it made them look desperate because they were just, like, getting their shit kicked in and they were, like, looking for excuses instead of just owning it.
0: Um, I don't necessarily agree with that.
1: I don't Not think des- I agree
0: with that. Like, I... Because there was merit in it. His stuff was up that day. Like, yeah. significantly so.
1: Yeah, his but spin rates were was up. On. His spin yeah. rates were up. And... I like honestly, like, did I think anything was gonna come of it? No. But no. did it provide a a lighthearted moment for me to laugh at in what was otherwise a soul crushing game that ended the Mets season? Also, yes. So I'm fine with it.
0: <laughs> like And also you His like- ears were very shiny. <laughs> Yeah, and his ears are very big, too, so it's kind of noticeable. <laughs>
1: like, everyone on the internet was tweeting about it.
0: Like, his yeah. ears were
1: very obviously shiny. Now, a lot of people were saying, like, this was probably some sort of, like, th- it was clear that there was a substance on his ears. But I think that most people kind of agreed that it was probably not a sticky like a an illegal like it wasn't like he like coated his ears in spider tack um that's not what occurred it was some sort of like vaseline or like icy hot or something because pitchers are weirdos who do weird stuff (laughs) um and he didn't Joe Musgrove didn't seem to take offense to it because why would he care his team's going to the next round of the playoffs and like, he didn't get caught doing anything wrong. So, who cares?
0: And you know, also, you don't know what the players were saying to Buck. They may have... I mean, if we all noticed it, they may have noticed it, too. So, Buck might have just been sticking up for his players, too.
1: Exactly. And Buck said after the fact... And I think that he... Like, I think that he said the right thing. He said, I have to do what's best for the New York Mets. And I agree with that. Yeah. Like...
0: Yeah. So, I mean, there were... Oh, I think I've told this story before where... um during twenty sixteen, we um we did a lot of like events and we went with like a tour group to do the uh to do Cooper's Town and we heard an umpire speak. And um he was saying that one time Lou Pinella came out and he was like, My team's playing like shit, you gotta throw me out of the game. So he was like, All right, you're out Yeah, right. <laughs> so like- So it's like Managers can sense when something's going on with their team, so you don't know. Like Buff might have just been trying anything at that point. Didn't work. like, <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It obviously didn't work, but you know, you don't. You just don't know what's going on in that dugout.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, it was. It was not why the Mets. The, the Mets didn't lose because Joe Musker have cheated. The Mets lost because no. the Andre's played better than them. Um, simply um And it and just like
0: it just seemed like a microcosm of their whole season. They they well they didn't blow the off season, but they had clear holes that they didn't fix. And then they had a second chance at the deadline. Still didn't fix it. And then the same thing happened in the Brave series. They had a second chance to clinch the division. They didn't do it. And on this series again, they had a second chance to win and they didn't do it so it was just it just felt fitting that that's how they went out and I was like why did you go out sad too what happened to the rest of the fight in this team unless they just after the brave series they just i don't I don't want to say gave up because i don't think athletes would do that but it just it just seemed like they had no fight left and i don't know where For a that team, team that had was. a lot of improbable victories
1: all season long, you know? That yeah. team that showed a lot of fight and when other teams didn't. Like the Mets had a lot of late inning rallies in the regular season. Of course, they had that game against the Phillies where they came back from like an eight-run deficit and won. They had that game against the Cardinals where they scored five runs in the ninth inning. They had the canna black bat flip game where they came back against the Phillies twice. Like they had so many games where they, sh- they had no right to win the game and they won it. And it's like, they just couldn't pull that off when it mattered.
0: And it just one hit just one. How does that even happen? I don't understand in a playoff, a el- lame elimination game. You imagine just one, one hit. hit. I think that's what bothers me the most. And they were like, their stars like the showed Mets, up and ours didn't.
1: Yeah, and it's not like the Mets were an entirely pitching-only team. Like, yes, their no. pitching was. They were a better pitching team than they were a hitting team, but their offense was like the fifth best offense in baseball, or something like that. Like, it's not like, it's not like they were some like a team where if the pitcher didn't throw a shutout, then you know, they were going to like the 2015 team felt like that a lot of the time before they got yeah. Um, Like the only games they were winning were like one, nothing two nothing, two to one. That's not this Mets team. This Mets team was capable of scoring plenty of runs. Sure. They didn't hit a lot of home runs. Pete Alonzo was really their biggest home run threat at the plate window to an extent, but like they, they, you know, smack you to death with hit after hit and beginnings and, and, That's and like getting on base and working counts, and that's just like not what they did.
0: did, And they got away from that. You had the batting champion on your team. You had the league leader and RBIs on your team. So you had offense. Escobar was the player of the month in September. The month of Escobar.
1: Yeah. They, the players just didn't execute it's as simple as that the offense went to sleep I mean obviously they scored that they scored plenty in game two but the offense didn't show up and you know their their big pitchers aside from DeGrom didn't really perform um, either in the Atlanta series or in the wild card series um, you know we learned that Max Scherzer was dealing with a bit of a thing Um his oblique which was obvious. Bothering him, which was obvious. Um, so, but, you know, you you got to hit a little bit. You got to pick him up. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't. Um, and DeGrom had the blister. Uh, but obviously, I think, you know, DeGrom executed well enough uh, for them to win that game, um, game two. So, you know, their pitchers weren't pitching at 100%, although I don't know what best excuse was necessarily. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't think he had one. He didn't. And I don't. Buck just didn't manage the series properly either. He didn't. He didn't manage very well either, um, which was part of the problem. Well, it wasn't a. I mean, the players, like we said, have to execute, but Buck didn't help the situation either.
1: Right. Like his managing is not the reason they lost, but um, he he did not have his finest moment uh, moments during the during the key games in the Atlanta series and in the wildcard series.
0: Um, well, I guess if the whole team is going to fall apart, they might as well all fall apart together, Buck included. Sure. Um,
1: <laughs> and so now that we're at this place where you have a team that won 101 games, but had a disappointing finish to the season, didn't make the deep playoff run that they expected um the mets are trying to be a team that will be back here in this position over and over again that is their goal to be sustainably in contention every year um they are not the braves and dodgers in the sense that they have a core of locked up/young players um they have they have some pieces you know like obviously alonzo and mcneil are still under team control Um, but like the, and Starling Marte signed to a long-term deal. Canna will be back again. Escobar will be back again, but Larry have, and Lindor obviously will be here for the next decade. Um, but they have a lot of pieces leaving for free agency and they don't have, it's not like, except for really. Like Alvarez potentially being installed as the catcher for next year, although Catcher is actually not a place where they have someone departing in free agency. So they're going to have to decide what to do about that. Um, they don't really have like guys to, you know, call up from the miners to plug these holes. And so they're going to have to, Steve Cohen's going to have to spend money again, even more money than he spent on the current roster to just like kind of tread water and keep it the same. Um, so the Mets are going to have to prioritize which of these free agents they're going to retain. Um, and it's, it's a tough
0: question. (laughs) Um, I think you like I heard Narco driving home and, you know, I was, (laughs) it actually made me happy. Um, it wasn't a painful experience listening to Narco, but It also made me think like I don't want that to end. Like Diaz made the math like cool and fun. And you're either way, you're gonna have to pay for a closer. So you might as well make it Diaz, who, you know, brings that extra like fun element to the team. And he's also like way better than everybody else. (laughs) Like Yes. I was gonna say he's probably gonna be the closer of the year or win closer of the year. Um and, you know, I was also thinking, imagine whoever they like, they don't re sign him and they get another closer. No way is that entrance going to be as cool. And it's going to be such a letdown for yeah. everybody. So you're going to feel that. bad for whoever that. it is. Like, what's the Yeah, this You can't song? put that person in that position and you can't put the fans in that position because it's going to suck. So just bring back Diaz. I don't, I don't want that to end. I'm like, I'm not ready for that to not come back.
1: They they kind of they I think that they realize that they almost have no choice but to re- resign. Edwin yeah, Diaz. and I think he seemed
0: positive about it too.
1: Yeah, I think he has even moved up the like likelihood list to number one, even above Degrom. Because I think so too. I think that like there was there was more po- there was more positive like vibes around him at the end of the season than there were with Degrom, as far as like. The quotes that he gave, like, Diaz actually said out loud, I'd like to come back. Yes. Um, DeGrom has said that in the past. It's not like DeGrom has always just been, like, this stony-faced, like, meh, I don't know, let's not talk about contract stuff, which is kind of what he was immediately after the uh, season ended. But Yeah. But... DeGrom has expressed, like, desire to come back in the past, but Diaz has expressed it more recently and expressed it, like, immediately. Um, so I think that the Mets find a way to get that done. Um, as far as DeGrom, I was, like, very confident in the Mets retaining DeGrom until, like, last week. Yeah. I think.
0: I think because... the last games feel that because like that's when my nerves started coming in
1: yeah I mean like I don't know I was nervous about this last time too and it happened you know um Mm -hmm. it happened at the 11th hour you know but
0: yeah (laughs) like
1: like, up until like last week I would have told you like the Mets know that DeGrom is their franchise player and they they have no choice so like in a different for a different reason than Diaz, but equally as like potent, <laughs> they have no choice. Yeah. Degrom is their franchise player. He's been with the Mets his entire career. It would be a terrible travesty for him to wear another uniform. Um
0: And they need pitching either way, with or without him.
1: Exactly. And so there's really you might as no, well
0: bring him back.
1: I know that Degrom at like this season has not always looked like. The DeGrom that we know. I mean, he's hes still striking out guys at a ridiculous rate. Um, that has not changed. But he has been a little bit more human, a little bit more vulnerable, but still very good. Still very good. And even if his ERA starts with a three, you'd be surprised how hard that is to find in free agency. Um. And so I, I had felt I had felt very confident that the Mets were going to retain DeGrom and not let him walk because of Steve Cohen's money, because Billy Epler has given these quotes like he knows what he means to us, all that sort of stuff. And even though DeGrom is being like pretty tight lipped himself, like I don't want to discuss contract stuff that didn't necessarily worry me. But now we're starting to get the trickle of articles first from John Heyman from Andy Martino the usual sources of these types of articles of the the like do the Mets really need DeGrom what what will the Mets do if DeGrom walks like those sorts of articles that are meant to prime the fan base for it (laughs) and that I don't know it's got my hackles up a little bit
0: (laughs) but that seems like a Sandy thing and Sandy's not gonna be there anymore. Yeah, that's the that's the
1: only thing I'm clinging on to is that like this feels like Sandy Alderson's last last gasp. It feels like Sandy Alderson going to his usual people to write the usual articles about the stuff that he would usually make
0: them write. Um yeah. but Sandy and I think Alderson he's is stepping brought- down. The re- I think he's the one that broke the relationship with Jake, too. Yeah, with his, like,
1: last year with the way he talked about the injury and, like... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So I don't know if Sandy leaving also helps Jake, like, lean towards coming back. Because I can see Cohen realizing he can't afford to, to lose Jake or at least not make a huge play for him and then if jake leaves he leaves like if he wants to go closer to home there's something we can do about that and he's earned that right the mets yeah. had their chance to build the team around him and they failed they they didn't do it in 18 and 19 when they yeah. could have i mean so that's on them it would
1: sting a lot
0: less if jake walked away
1: but he had a world series ring as a new york man yeah, um, but that's again on the
0: Mets. That's that not is on the him. Mets. That is on. He's the Mets. earned the right to at least see what he can make, and it's up to him the Mets to own up to it. But like I said, if he there's other things, if he thinks the Mets are never gonna win, I mean, he's earned that right too. Yep, he has. It would be heartbreaking. It would be
1: genuinely know, heartbreaking.
0: But <laughs> like, I don't want him to leave but even saturday like the press were, like after his win that that yeah it was that saturday the the media was clearly baiting him and they got their quote when he was like i don't want to talk about it but then when you watch the clip like he was laughing because he knew they were trying to bait him so yes, it's like yes. they all got their quote but then it really, like like remember when he was think- in
1: spring training when he was like literally running
0: from them <laughs> yes <laughs> Like, they're like, oh, well, did, oh, like, did it go through your mind that this was your laugh scheme? And he was like, well, yeah. It's like they, he didn't bring it up. They asked him. Then they're like, well, when did it cross your mind? And he goes, I don't know, 1045. And he started laughing. Like, and basically he's like, stop asking me. Leave me alone. That's not what I want to talk about. So the media absolutely also knew what they were doing. By bringing up these questions, too. So, I don't... uh, It didn't make me feel good, but at the same time, it didn't seem like it was something he was seriously contemplating while pitching in a playoff game. Right. And there probably would have been other questions I would have asked, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, Right. So... The, the third, um,
1: obviously the Mets have many, many guys leaving for free agency, but the third major one, I would say the trifecta of big ones is Edwin Diaz, Jacob deGrom, and Brandon Nimmo. Um, Nimmo, Nimmo spoke like he was already out the door. On in in his post game comments, because like Degrom, I I get that people want to interpret like Degrom saying I don't want to talk about it as something negative, but I just take that as sort of a neutral because that's kind of what he said all along.
0: When and it comes, some to this. people were speculating that you know he's playing. Like you can't give away too much if you want to make more money. So I can kind of see like his agent might have told him you can't say anything. Yeah, his
1: agent didn't yeah, probably told him, like, don't talk about how much you want to play for the Mets. <laughs> um Yeah, we need the leverage. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's and maybe that's what Nimo Nimmo's angle was too. But Nimo, like Nimmo was interesting because it's not like Nimmo said, like, I don't want to play for the Mets or anything like that. But he he referred to the Mets as they when he talked about the organization, which I found interesting because that's speaking like you're already on the outside. Like he was talking about, they've got a bright future ahead of them. They're a really good organization, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, they?
0: <laughs> you're like, excuse me, sir? <laughs>
1: like, Yeah, so that was, I found that interesting. Um, And I think that like of those three, f- like pending free agents, Nimmo is the most likely to walk. But the problem with that is, is again, we're talking about, these three guys are kind of irreplaceable all for slightly different reasons. Like Diaz, because there's simply nobody else who can do what he does. Um, Jake kind of, because there's nobody else that can do what he does, but also mostly because he's the franchise player and Nimmo, because there are other players that can do what Nimmo does, but none of them are available in free agency. Um, There's really no center fielders Um, That are available That are even close to Nimmo's talent level It's it's basically like And even if you expand that to like All the free agent outfielders It's basically obviously like Judge has his own tier All alone As being like by far the best position player Available in free agency And then like Then there's like Brandon Nimmo Who's kind of in his own tier And then there's like
0: everybody else That's the only thing I can think. It's like the only way you could replace him is if you sign Judge and then move Marte back over to center.
1: that is the only way. And obviously, like, that's more expensive. (laughs) Obviously, it's better. (laughs) Like, it's better in the sense that, like, you're getting literally Aaron Judge. I'd sign up for that all day, every day. Um, Aaron Judge is the best player there is right now. Um, But, you know, then you, like... Then you—that's more expensive than we're talking about. Steve Cohen. If we're talking about retaining Edwin Diaz, retaining Jacob Degrom, and signing Aaron Judge, that's like literally the highest payroll of all time ever. Like paying every single penalty ever. Now, you know, as a Mets fan, I say, go ahead, do it. Do coward.
0: <laughs> you won't. <laughs> but he probably literally won't. <laughs> Um do that. also the only other thing I can think of is if you sign Trey Turner and move McNeil to the outfield. You can do that as well. Um, that's also and then again more you expensive. would have to move Marte
1: That's also more expensive bed. than Brandon Nimmo, less expensive than Aaron Judge, but more expensive than Brandon Nimmo,
0: probably. Well, Trey Turner which is just such a pain in the ass, so it'll be just nice not to face it. It would be cool. And that would make, I mean, like that would make the Mets infield like insanely good. <laughs> Um, and, the, like, you lose Nimmo, your leadoff hitter, but then you could put Turner there.
1: Yes, yes. Emin, uh, Eminent stolen base threat. Excellent leadoff hitter. Um, so, yeah, there's ways to replace Brandon Nimmo that are not just, like, plug hole with other center fielder free agent, which you can't really do because there's no center fielder free agent that is nearly as good as Brandon Nimmo.
0: Or, um, we're forgetting... Michael Conforto is also still a free agent. L O L. Yes, he is.
1: <laughs> um, that is true. Uh, Michael Conforto can make a grand Mets return. I certainly hope that if he does, uh, he's
0: not as the center fielder. That's for sure. Oh, God, I would no God, no. Move Marte back there. Um, so my dream would either to be sign Judge or Turner, and then move Marte over to center. And then also sign Jose Abreu as the D. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and like, really, if you think Is about it, that like, too much? Is that overkill? <sighs> really, if you think about it, like Judge and Turner, like in the sense that they're like huge upgrades for the Mets are really the only thing that, really the only ones that it's worth doing that for in the sense that you'd be vastly compromising your outfield defense. Um, yeah. Because Marte- Marte has been a really good center fielder in the past, but I don't think he's that guy anymore. Like, I think he's capable of it, but you run a huge risk if you are like doing Marte center field in his mid 30s. Um, you do it if you put you're putting Aaron Judge in right field, sure, absolutely, yeah. but you don't do that for like a lesser um, version of that when you can just instead bring back Brandon Nimmo. To play center field um and you do yeah. it for Trey Turner as well because that's worth it but yeah you would be compromising outfield defense for more offense which I suppose the Mets could probably use that um I mean they've been doing it for years yes the Mets have punching defense now. literally our whole fandom so or like most of our fandom the, the <laughs> entire 99 The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumpaCasino.com. No purchase necessary voidwear prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I guess, like other little little quick hit tidbits, um, there was some breaking news today on the Mets front, which is that. Francisco Alvarez had surgery on his ankle um, to like remove cartilage. Um, we knew that he was dealing with an ankle issue. It sidelined him for a little bit in uh, when he was still in AAA before the Mets called him up. Um, but yeah, uh, he he got surgery, but he should be ready by spring training. so it's kind of like not that big of a deal. Um, but
0: but yeah, also think- they clearly put him in a position of fail too when yeah. they called him up.
1: It's like, oh yeah. I mean, like, they they clearly knew that, but yeah, it is it is kind of like, okay, you know, we're calling you up. You have all this huge spotlight on you because you're the to- one of the top prospects in baseball, and also you're playing through an injury. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. and, and here are games that are do or die for the season. Good luck.
0: And then they didn't even put him in the like he was on the postseason roster and didn't even get in the bat. Nope, didn't play. So at least try. See, that was a choice in a made.
1: bottle. Yeah. I don't know. Um I don't know. Billy Epler also spoke to the media. Um, didn't Whoa. say didn't say much of note, but he did say that he didn't regret any of the trade deadline moves, which mm. are, I found hilarious. Um and by hilarious. No, that I mean pissed me off. I was like,
0: come on. Like, Some little self reflection, dude. Come on. Like, I get, like, what is he supposed to say, but still, there's got to be a way to say it.
1: Yeah, there has to be. And, like, I keep going back to that quote he gave after the trade deadline when yes. he talked about that, like, 1.5% over the long term and all that stuff. And to get I get 1% better. And it like, you yeah, get 1% better, the division. <laughs> like, like, you just. Uh, I don't know. It, it it's such money ball stuff, and it made me so mad. It was such like, oh, we can't mortgage the future. It's like, did you see Mark Vientos during his time in the big leagues? I don't think trading him would have been that big of a deal.
0: And guess what? Like, the two teams that went for it at the deadline are the ones playing in the NLCS. Still right playing. Now. Still playing. The like. Yep. That is why.
1: And I guess this is so. Th- this is actually the the perfect bridge to playoff discourse, right? Or like playoff format discourse. Um, I'm not going to talk much about the playoffs as they're currently happening because I, quite frankly, I do not care anymore. Um, I can't watch a single pitch of it. When, like, I I will be I even when there are teams I hate playing, I will generally watch playoff baseball just because I enjoy baseball so much and I like watching it and playoff baseball is really fun um and it's fun to watch as a neutral observer of things and plus you can like hate watch the Yankees or whatever and like enjoy that (laughs) um and hope the Astros pants them yet again um but like when that I can do when the Mets don't make the playoffs at all um in the current situation where the Mets made the playoffs and got bounced early, I can't watch afterwards because it makes me too mad because I'm yeah. think just thinking to myself, like the Mets could have been still playing and it just pisses me off. So I, I haven't watched a single pitch. But and there's like no
0: likable teams left either, which sucks.
1: Correct. Um, but I will talk about the playoffs in the sense that the the Padres and Phillies facing off in the NLCS now has sparked a lot of playoff format discourse about this new format. Um, We talked about the format when we talked about the CBA back in, you know, when the lockout ended and when the season started Um, that there was going to be, you know, this new wild card round um, that had, you know, three wild card teams in it. And it was going to be a three game series um, and the, The worst division winner was going to also have to play in the wild card round. Um, On the National League side of things, the two lowest seeded. Teams are the ones that have advanced to the NLCS, which, uh, and along the way, the three teams in the National League who won 100 games the Mets and the Braves, who both won 101 games, and Dodgers, who won 111 games, got eliminated either in the wild card round or the division round. In the case of the Braves and Dodgers, the two highest seeded teams got eliminated in the division
0: round. And so that's what they said. That it would be so much more important to win your division because you get that buy now too. Right.
1: Um, and it didn't end up mattering, at least from the perspective of the the teams that won their division didn't didn't win. <laughs> they they got bounced by wildcard teams who had to play the extra series. So that prompted a lot of like discourse about both like, is it better to not have the layoff and continue to play. Like, does that give you momentum or whatever? And is this playoff format quote fair? Like people keep talking about, oh, it's so unfair that the three one hundred win teams, like the best teams. No, it's basically
0: the teams. two one hundred win teams because nobody cared when the Mets lost.
1: Right, and that's the other thing. Is this 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 complaining only started after the Braves and Dodgers got eliminated, yep. not after the Mets did? Um, Nobody cared. Nobody felt sorry for us. But I will say we shouldn't be feeling, I mean, I, I, I feel sad about the Mets, but we shouldn't be feeling sorry for ourselves or for the Braves or Dodgers. The 100 win teams who get into the playoffs should simply play better against their inferior opponents. The 2006 Mets also choked against an 87, 86 win Cardinal team that went on to win the world series.
0: So and nobody cried for the San Francisco Giants when they won 100 games and got bounced games, in the Six games, 106 there. games. So I just, I, I
1: have had enough of people it complaining happens. and blaming it on the format. Sometimes your team chokes. I know that Dodgers fans are not used to that, like feeling. <laughs> um, I mean, I they they do only have one World Series title to show for their all their perennially making the playoffs. So, but still. The Mets fans. But Met then Spans, nobody feels
0: sorry for you. They just Spans won. In intimately familiar. The Braves just won last year. Well, yes. Somebody like, more Like nobody feels sorry for you for that. The Mets Met fans are. Won my entire lifetime.
1: Intimately familiar with choking. Get used to it. Sometimes your team just chokes. It happens. Yeah, and it just, yeah, it sucks. It, it sucks. It feels what bad, but it's, it's on your team. It is not on the format. It's not because you have the long layoff. It's not any of that stuff, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know. I, I also think that it's like way too soon to be drawing conclusions about this new format when we've had one year of it. Yeah. And I think it, there are a lot of people saying that like baseball playoffs are too random. Like, Compared to other major sports where the better team wins more often in the playoffs, like um, like in basketball, where like if you are the like best team, you're probably going to win the championship. But
0: to me, I don't know, like, but is that fun? Like, as soon as fun. the season starts, you're like, oh, the Warriors are going to be in the finals. And guess what? The Warriors are going to be in the finals. Like, why even bother playing the season at that point? Exactly. Like, do I really it's want to watch fine. the
1: Dodgers just like win the world series every year? Dodgers, Yankees, world series every year. That's boring as
0: hell. I don't want yeah. that. Like, I don't want that either. That's And that's basically what basketballs become. It's become the Warriors and Lakers. So yeah. if that's not fun.
1: So people then argue that this devalues the regular season too much, that the playoffs are too random. And I'm like, I actually think it, it places more like it helps the regular season a lot because like, like you just said, the two teams who are playing in the NLCS now are the two teams who tried really hard at the trade deadline. You think the Uh Padres go out and get Juan Soto and trade their entire farm for Juan Soto. If they don't think that they could make a deep run at the playoffs this year, they don't do that.
0: They don't Uh -uh. do that.
1: And that makes everything less fun. The Padres credit to the Padres. They went out and they tried, and now they're playing in the NLCS. They're not playing in the NLCS if they don't make those trades, I don't think. Not I me and
0: Hater figured it out. They've hater now.
1: Exactly. They have like Josh. I know Josh Hader did not cover himself in glory early on as a padre, but they now like hater seems like hater now, and they have that in, in the postseason. That's a and huge also-
0: weapon. It also the Brewers treated him away and lost their playoff spot. Yes, the Brewers didn't make the postseason. They were
1: fighting. They were right there with these other teams. With the Phillies. Right there. So you could have kept you, hater, Then you might have won. You might have made it. I think that this current format is good because it incentivizes teams to try. Which, so that's like, now I'm not saying, you know, like – I didn't like when the, the league during CBA negotiations, when the league wanted 16 playoff teams, I think that's oh no, God, bad. no. Um, I don't think we should be rewarding. You need to strike the right balance between rewarding mediocrity, because then at a certain point, everyone's just going to try to win like 83 games and that shouldn't be enough. Um, and you know, Forcing the issue for the trade for more teams to be in it at the trade deadline, because if everything is decided by July, then who cares for the rest of the season, then what's the point in watching the whole second half, if everything's decided by then, so you have to yeah. have enough of an incentive in the form of wild card for teams to try at the trading deadline, and to get better players and for teams to fight in the second half, and you have to have incentive for teams who may have had may have things like locked up for their division, but want, but need to continue to try for the rest of the season to get that one of those top seeds because the Mets and the Braves would not have fought tooth and nail for three months. If they thought that division title
0: was meaningless, they clearly thought that it mattered. Yeah. They fought very hard for it. Well, no, so just, having teams try at the trade deadline, like at least it gives baseball, it makes baseball interesting. And right now baseball's losing out to other sports. So anything that like, like it makes baseball crazy and like rabid headlines, like trading one of the biggest stars in the game, like that's going to be talked about. Yes.
1: And I mean, trust me, I'm not pleased. Again, I'm not watching a single pitch of the postseason right now. I'm not pleased that the team that beat the Mets and the literal Philadelphia Phillies whom I detest Ugh. are the teams playing in the NLCS as a as a Mets fan that makes me furious but mm-hmm. as a, as a baseball fan it's good in my opinion that those are the teams playing because it's exciting for those fan bases for neutral observers, I, I think it it makes for, it, Cinderella stories are more exciting. People enjoy, think about whenever in the NCAA tournament, think about when the rare instance when the 16 seed beats the one seed, how excited everyone gets. Like, that's what it's all about.
0: Those upsets are fun. Or has anybody fun. watched a, a single sports movie? There's a reason why <laughs> the Yankees are always the villains. Exactly. Like, underdog stories are fun Um, (laughs) because the Yankees always winning is boring there's no drama there like I want the Mets to be I desperately want the Mets to
1: become the villain and be the team that everyone wants to beat every year because they're winning all the time I sure as hell want that the Mets aren't that yet but I want it in the future but like Mets fans if they ever become that you have to be prepared for everyone to hate you
0: because yeah, that's what's going to become happen. the villain. And for yeah. the narrative,
1: I mean, I know that the narrative already feels like it's against the Mets at all time because lol Mets is its own sort of narrative that drives clicks, but like it will soon become if if the Mets become competitive every year and Steve Cohen spends gobs and gobs of money and the Mets become this like perennial contender, they're going to become the big bad Mets that everyone wants to beat. And the narrative that the national media and everyone's going to want is for the underdog to upset
0: them. Because yeah, that's, that's what what's want. interesting. Yeah. That's what and, creates drama. So I think the current format is good,
1: honestly. I like it. Um, there are a couple of things that they could tweak about it to make it better. Um, during CBA negotiations, two things that were shot down, that the I think the players proposed that the league shot down, were reseeding after the wild card round and a seven game division series i in theory could get behind either or both of those things especially reseeding which takes no like extra effort basically
0: well and then there was stupid only with his like oh you get to pick your opponent no oh, no John, that was silly well remember <laughs> remember when there was that like dumb
1: selection show the, like that yes. that was covid stuff like that's baby stuff that's over now like let's not yeah. do that. That's a spe- no. that's a circus. That's a spectacle that I don't want.
0: Um, no. And there's no, like, there's got to be something that's, like, they just can't be random like that. Like, people were debating about, you know, um, the runner on second in the playoffs. No. The playoffs can't no. come down to gimmicks. I'm sorry. No. It just can't.
1: And the fact that the runner on second is not a thing in the postseason, to me – shows that it's bad
0: (laughs) (laughs) because you don't want it in
1: games that matter if you don't want it in games that matter it shouldn't be a thing in my opinion no um but I digress I like it it shouldn't it should never become a thing in the postseason that 18 inning game was cool as hell in my opinion
0: yeah um, and even though it was nothing, nothing, the drama was still there. The tension was still there. Absolutely, that's actually one of the only games that I
1: watched part of because it was on at the brewery that we were at, and I did watch it, and I was I was taken in by it. It was fun. Um, so you know, I could definitely get behind reseeding for sure. I think that's a somewhat easy fix that could you know help quote unquote help the um the high seed teams a little bit more and reward the high seed, I guess, if you reseed everything after the first round, fine. I can get behind that. And that's not like, that doesn't change the structure of it at all. Really. It's an easy thing to do. The seven game division series on one hand, like I understand that people are upset about like you know, again, that play- baseball playoffs are too random. Baseball is a sport that you need a really large sample size to determine who the best team is, and that's why the regular season is so many games. And so, you know, the division series being five games is too short. It, it's too fluky. That's why these, like, upsets happen. But if you make it a seven-game series, which I could get behind in theory, it makes the postseason so long.
0: Yeah. Like, um, you already yeah. have this extra
1: wild card round that's three games which I supported wholeheartedly making it three games instead of one yeah. because in yeah, my opinion fine. absolutely nothing in baseball should be decided by one game because in the regular season series are three games so that's like the basic unit of a season so that's I agree with the wild card series being three games if you make the wild card series three games and you make the division series seven games and they have a seven game championship series and a seven game world series like you're dragging on until like like, mid to late November every year for the playoffs. That's just too much.
0: I yeah, I mean, that's what the hockey playoffs are now. And it, it's, a, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a like, slog. Yeah, like, the playoffs start, like, the end of April, beginning of May. And they're still going in June.
1: Yeah. I just, I think that so, would make the playoffs too long. So, I don't know if I support it. I, like... I could get behind it in theory if it didn't make the whole postseason
0: too long. And then what are you going to do? Because uh, at least hockey, you know, they're playing tonight. This is the time. But now we just saw it with the, the Yankees. You had two rainouts. Then what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, exactly. Play to December? Yeah, Play exactly. Play in the snow? Play in the snow? Well, you they should simply put a roof on every stadium is what should be the yeah. thing. But
0: nonetheless. Yeah, like what if the Twins Rockies are in the playoffs? Then what are you going to do? Boston? <laughs> right. It's gonna snow. I mean, like it's happened before,
1: but it it yeah, it has have a legit but...
0: legit blizzard during one of these games. Um, I mean, it could be fun, but at the same time, I doubt the players think it's fun. No, uh, And I don't know. As a fan, like
1: yes, w- like would I go through? Would I go through any weather condition to see the Mets in the playoffs? Yeah, would I be happy about it? No. <laughs> No, <laughs> I, I, I am not. I am not a football fan. I don't have the constitution to watch sports in the snow. I am simply not <laughs> built for that. Um, I am a summer person. I'm built for baseball in the summer. <laughs> that is what my constitution is.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. And it kind of sucks for the players too. Like, especially for pitchers who need to keep warm. Like, you're you're putting them at risk when you're playing in like 30 degrees and snow. Yep, you are, and it's not, it's not the best. So, So, yeah, I don't think expanding the playoffs is the solution either.
1: No, I like the current playoff format, and I think people should
0: give it a try for a few years. Um, You know, I made this, this analogy on Twitter, the Giants beat the undefeated Patriots. In one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. Did yep. everybody ha- want to change the Super Bowl format when that happened? No. Yeah. The Patriots didn't win, so they should change the Super Bowl. The Patriots should have been undefeated. It's not fair. Exactly. Well, it's just stuff. Shit, things happen. The Giants got hot, and they played that out of their minds, which happens. That's, it's called sports. It's not called a broken playoff system. Yeah,
1: it's called sports, and like you know, they. If if you really wanted to like incentivize, like, like if you really wanted to like give so much weight to the team that's the best in the regular season, just like hand the trophy to the Dodgers. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like you got to play the yeah, game. Like then,
0: why bother even having a playoff at all at that point?
1: Exactly. It's a tournament style. Hand out a trophy at the end of the year. It's a tournament. That's what happens in a tournament. That's what. That's the way it works. (laughs) Like if you want to eliminate playoffs and just make it like a, like a you know best record wins sort of thing, I disagree with you. But like, fine. That but just be be honest with yourself that that's what you want. Then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. like, that's baseball, Susan. Yep. So you know. It is what it is.
1: Uh, I I I support the current playoff format. I think it's fine. Um, it's
0: like you said, give it a chance. It's been one year, not even. It's been, even. It's been also, like half a year.
1: All these National League fans are on and on about the playoff format, and meanwhile, over in the other league, the one and two seed are playing in the ALCS. <laughs> so
0: yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, give me a break. Chill. It's the Yankees and Astros it might, it again, everyone. Been, yeah, it might have been just that your team sucked, about the playoff format. Yep.
1: So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm still not watching the postseason. I, I I don't want to root for the Astros ever, but the Yankees losing to the Astros again would make their fans so mad. So I'm...
0: I know, it would be nice. That's kind of what I want, but... Yeah, that's all I want at this point. And then just... I, I can't I deal know. with it. I don't the care. The Phillies or the Padres. I can't. Ugh.
1: I don't care who wins the World Series. I simply have not I a can. care... can we just root for
0: the meteor at this point
1: like the mariners and the guardians were like the least offensive teams to me and they're both eliminated now so
0: whatever my heart really did go out to those fans at that game though to stay
1: i know that you didn't even get
0: a win out of it that sucks
1: that sucks to stay there all night and like and people were like giving the yankees shit about like not filling the stadium for this game that ended up happening at four p.m. today, and I was like, guys, like people were not planning for that, and they work. Like I don't know what to tell yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like they had like twenty hours notice that the like you know they all showed up if last would, night.
0: Like if that was me, there's no way I could have gone to that game today. Like
1: I were <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, like, like you got to
0: find coverage. Like, it's like people, not everybody works from home now.
1: Yeah. So it's, it it stinks that they, that the weather caused that, but put a roof over the stadium simply yeah. and do that. And solve these problems that are only going to become worse with climate change. Mm hmm. There's data about the number of rainouts that the Mets had this year, and it was like way more than past years. And it's like, really? yes
0: oh geez yep it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win Anyhow, that's something to look forward to, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: Before we move on to walk off wins, I just wanted to mention a couple of uh, housekeeping notes. First of all, I don't think we've officially like we've tweeted about this, but I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. So are between the the dollars for dingers like regular period of September and the in-person uh raffle event and everyone's like postseason extras and people kicking in extra money, rounding up, employer matching, all that stuff. We literally ended up raising $15,001 and 50- <laughs> So we broke $15,000 for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is absolutely incredible. Thank you guys so much for making this the most successful dollar screeners we have had. Um, and in total for like our whole all of our fundraising efforts since we started fundraising in 2019, we've raised over $38,000.
0: That's just mind blowing to well, me. Like the number almost doesn't it's seem real.
1: It just It really doesn't seem real. It's it, it grows every year and we are going to we are absolutely committed to making it continue to grow every year. So I'm already excited for dollars for dingers 2023. I I can't wait. I it's going to be great. But thank every Thank you, everyone. Every single person who pledged every single person who showed up to our fundraiser, every single person who had one of us on your podcast or, you know, let us tweet at you or, Anything to, like, raise awareness about it. People who helped us organize, like, every single person involved with this. Thank you, thank you, thank you uh, for helping us make this a success. We are so happy. Um, it
0: does show just what a great little community we've built, To Well, not just us, but, like, the baseball community is.
1: It's truly great. And it's, like, you know, the only thing that has made the end of this Mets season, like, palatable. <laughs> <Honestly>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: A little bit, um, and then also, I get more pissed. Like, they've gone far earlier, we'll raise more running. <laughs> I know, right? Like, we would
1: have broken fifteen thousand dollars very easily, pretty early in October, if the Mets had just advanced past the wild card round.
0: But alas, or even if they clinched the division, yeah.
1: Oh, even if they had won the NL East, so we would have blown that number out of the water. But
0: Ugh. You know. the Mets, it's okay. Alas, um,
1: they'll make us pay uh more next year, I hope. Um, yes. But uh, other housekeeping note is that we are now officially in off-season mode, uh, which means – and we started kind of last week by not having a show last week. So we will now be in your feeds every other Wednesday during the off-season. Of course, we can sometimes have – we might sometimes have like an intermittent – Uh, Show more often if there's some sort of Breaking news to cover or something Happens Um, but generally Speaking we will be in your feeds every Other week during the off season so There will be a show this week no show next week Show the week after that etc So just Public service announcement we are Taking uh, some much needed Rest during the off season just like everybody else Um, (laughs) But um, I know That it's heartbreaking to have to wait two more Weeks for us uh, to come back into your feeds but in the meantime uh, we will end the show this week like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week baseball related or otherwise Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win
0: my walk-off win, well my walk-off one is I went to Cooperstown over the weekend very exciting which you know when we had planned it I was like, oh, shit, I might miss the Met games while I'm up there. (laughs) Turns out didn't miss any Met games. But then I was like, oh, crap, the last place I want to be is, like, in the baseball mecca, like, um, immersed in baseball while I'm sad. But it ended up having the opposite effect. Like, once I got up there, I realized that baseball is always my happy place no matter what happened and like like you know you see all these like there's no other sport where there's a town that like everybody goes to and it's just you know you're everybody's in their baseball gear and you can just talk baseball with anybody like we actually met a really nice Phillies fan I have to put that out there (laughs) he was generally nice (laughs) <laughs> and because uh we were in our Mets gear and so he was like oh sorry about your Mets and of course he was wearing all his Philly stuff because it was the day after the Phillies won and um so then he was talking about how he was at the game uh, like the Friday night game at the Phillies and how he's at like Citizens Bank just went nuts and then he was talking about how he went to one of the games that the Mets like blew out the Phillies and he was like, Oh, it was the the series where Girardi got fired. And he was like, Oh, here it goes. Another long season. Um, And then, you know, like all the cute little shops and all the baseball memorabilia. And I bought way too much because like I said, baseball's my happy place and I wanted everything and I wanted everything. that's a baseball in Cooperstown. And because you and if you've ever been, like, everybody has to go. Um, if you're a baseball fan, there's, like, I, if I could go, if your Mets got eliminated and being miserable and coming out feeling like I still love baseball, like, it's totally worth it to go. And then we went to the museum, and they have a women's exhibit now.
1: Yeah, it's awesome.
0: And, yeah, and so because I was all up in my feelings, and, you know, um, still a little bit, because I'm trying not to cry, just thinking about it. There was a woman with her daughter there, and they were looking at all the women, and it made me think of my niece, and, you know, and then there was a guy with his son there, and he was talking about, oh, he's like, oh, you know, women played baseball, and they made a movie about it, so it was serving its purpose like it was teaching people. And they had Kim In there and they had Susan Waldman and they had, you know, the Rockford Peaches. They had Gina Davis's uniform and they had Alyssa Nakin's uniform there. And it was just, it was so nice to see. And they had Joan Payson, like a picture of her throwing out the first pitch at a, at a game. And, you know, it just, you know, <laughs> baseball doesn't always love women back, but it was nice to see at least. That they put effort into it, and oh crap! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that that actually like really helped too, seeing all the women. And but on a well, not on a happier note, because that was actually really good. But they had the Mets combined no hitter ball there. I found oh very nice. That was nice. It was all signed. I found it. There's apparently apparently Andy Warhol did a painting of Tom Seaver. That was really cool <laughs> um so I found that in the museum um they had Pete's batting gloves from when he broke the home run record as a rookie oh, they did cool. not have anything of Jake, which was kind of upsetting like he went back to backside young just like, yeah where's like, him?
1: glove or something or like yeah like something of they had Piazzas
0: Jersey from the 9 eleven game um. Like they had, like you could like follow along. So they had like your team, and they had like nine artifacts. They called it the starting nine. So um, so for the Mets, we tried to find everything. They had Johan Santana's ball from his no hitter. Mm, yeah. Um. Yeah. So there, there was of course they had a whole freaking Braves exhibit since they're the defending champs. And then like I've got so many. I just they have like an interactive board so you could see who like the current leaders are. And I thought Jake was the current ERA leader, but his last game blew it. So Kershaw is back in the lead. I was like, nah. Uh, uh, so I was like, yeah, Jake, you gotta claim that title from Kershaw next year, I guess, to be the active ERA leader. But like, just to see all the old uniforms and the old gloves and like, like the catchers' masks were just like these like little bars. Oh yeah, um, the old catcher's masks. Yeah, those are really fun. Yeah. And like and then like Hank Aaron, they had his whole uniform from when he hit like 715. Um and they had a whole wing for the Negro leagues now. Um, because the last time I went was in 2016 and it was crazy because it was induction weekend, so I didn't really get to appreciate as much. Um, and then I finally got to see Piazza's plaque. Um because it wasn't there it hadn't been put up yet the last time right. I went so I finally got C Piazza and Griffey and then um who was it who just died was it Bruce Sutter who just died yes so in the hall um with all the plaques they had roses around his around his plaques since oh, he just died nice. which yeah I thought that was a nice little touch too since he had died that weekend um but yeah, even, even like the town, like it's right in the mountains, so the trees look beautiful. We have, were in a in um in a hotel right on the lake, so we had a nice view of the lake and the trees. And um, there's also, if you don't like baseball, but if you're listening to this podcast, why? Um, <laughs> but if you don't like baseball, there's a lot of good wineries around there. And I bought a lot of too, and I bought too much wine um so that's always fun too is to go wine tasting there's a really good brewery up there if you like beer um I don't but if you like beer like one of the best breweries apparently is up there oh my god Um, yeah oh my god yeah so and it was in like a really cool spot too and they did a lot of like cool stuff and um so it I, I think a weekend is sufficient to go away up there Um, because everything like shuts down like six o'clock and it's like, oh no, what do we do? Like, it's truly small town America. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like, you're closing at six o'clock.
1: Yeah. I heard the like nearest like real bar that's like open like late is like a 20 minute drive away or something. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Like, we're eating dinner at like five (laughs) o'clock. Um, but, yeah, but it's still so, I think a weekend is good enough to, like, do everything you want to do. Like, maybe, like, three days, because we only, we went on Friday and came back Sunday. Um, but, you know, just to, you know, so you don't feel rushed better than that. Like, you really don't need that much, that much time. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I bought Everybody's getting Cooperstown gifts for Christmas because like I nice. said, I spent way too much money. Everything was cute. Um, and they had the baseballism store, which again, like I wanted everything in there. Um, and like, you know, like I said, it was just cool seeing fans of other teams and just chatting with them and cause they're all there for the same reason. And um, yeah, so i recommend going, even if you're just sad, even if sports makes you sad right now, um, just to get away. And it's a pretty drive. So that was that's my walk off when is Cooperstown in the museum and, you know, warming my heart, seeing that they are dedicated to, you know, women and, you know, teaching the next generation and just making it normalized too like yeah women are in they ba- oh and they had monet davis's jersey mm, yeah um so yeah it was just a, it was just a lot of cool stuff and like i've debated like the they've always they've been needing a librarian so i've been debating about applying but i don't know that'd if be I so move cool
1: that'd be like the coolest job ever
0: it living would be up the there might be a challenge ever. but yeah but like I don't know like uprooting your entire life and then I wouldn't be able to go to like med games as easy and yeah true so it, it would be a big change but maybe maybe someday but yeah highly recommend going to the baseball hall team
1: yeah Michael and I have it on our list I've been before um I went when I was in high school um so it's been a while since I've been there. Um, so obviously there's like new things that are there that weren't there the last time I was there. Um, but the last time I was there in that women's exhibit, they were having like, like they had a speaking event for some of the still living Rockford beaches. So that was really awesome. Oh, nice. I got to watch. I got to like hear them speak and like, you know, be there for that. So that was like really cool. Um, but yeah, I would love to go back. Yeah. Um, so Michael and I have it on our list. It was literally like the top of our like vacation lists, like before the pandemic hit.
0: Um, no, and
1: then we just like never got a chance to go because the pandemic happened. Um, but it, we we plan on taking a weekend sometime. Um, sometime soon to go up there because it really is awesome. And also, I have not uh, been since I've been of legal drinking age, so I'd like to go to OmaGong because I like <laughs> here. Um, as does my You own. would definitely like
0: it, yes. Um, <laughs> so we definitely
1: that is that is almost as much a part of the trip as uh, Cooper as the the museum itself is uh, to, to hit up OmaGong because we love uh, we love OmaGong. And from, there, yeah, from
0: spree. what I hear, it's it's honestly worth it too amazing. yeah
1: so I, I definitely want to do that um but yeah my walk-off win is actually like somewhat related since we're talking about omegong um we, Michael and I, over the weekend went to a tap room we've been meaning to hit up for a long time, um, which is Other Half Brewing, um, which is actually a New York brewery, but they have a DC tap room, and so um, we finally went because it's like not easily accessible by by public transit. So it's like we we haven't, even though like we we love their beer and we've been wanting to go there for a long time. It like wasn't wasn't there wasn't a convenient time for us to go because you kind of have to drive there's like no other way even though it's like pretty close to us like mileage wise um that it's not accessible by metro so it's like kind of annoying to get to but we finally like went out of our way to do it um and we had a great time um their tap room is like really awesome um and you know the 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 game was on the the mariners astros like marathon like 18 inning game was on so that was fun, and we uh, we accidentally like stumbled into their like second anniversary party. I guess it was like the <laughs> second anniversary of the tap room opening in DC, um, and so they had like all sorts of like fun stuff happening, and so we didn't expect that. So that was really fun because it was like created a really fun atmosphere. There was like decorations. There was a special beer that they had on tap because it was their second anniversary. Um, so that was really nice. Uh, it was just a really nice day. We 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 also hit up another brewery. Um, in the same sort of little brewery hop that we did um, Atlas. Uh, But Michael and I go to the half street location of Atlas all the time. That's the one that's like right across the street from Nats Park. It's like our favorite, one of our favorite pre and post game spots um, when we go to Mets Nationals games at Nats Park. But Atlas actually has two locations and the other one is right next to other half. So we were able to kind of do both in the same day. So that was really nice. Um, so yeah, that's my walk-off win. Simple. Got to hit up a new
0: brewery. Really enjoyed it. (laughs) Um, You did drowning your sorrows does help. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, it's so true. Like, I mean, as sad as it is to say, like, we should have been this weekend. We had no plans because we should have been in New York because we had tickets to end all DS game for
0: Um,
1: that are now going unused. Uh, so instead we were like, well, we have to do something fun because- (laughs) like just sitting at home thinking about how we should have been at the NLDS is like no fun at all um so we decided to you know drown our sorrows a little bit (laughs) but it was nice it was nice um
0: good I'm glad it worked out (laughs) yeah
1: exactly um so yeah um we are now in off-season mode over at AmazonAvenue.com also but we will soon kick into full off-season gear um and have you know all sorts of like Rumor, rumor posts, free agent posts. Um, Dave Capobianco wrote an excellent article recently about um, Billy Epler and about how he's really not the guy to lead the Mets right now. Uh, and yeah. we kind of alluded to a little bit with the trade deadline stuff. Um, Dave gets into much more detail about that. Um, so you should check that piece out. We have lots of other content lined up for you guys. All the rumor speculation, free agent rumors. Full off-season swing over at Amazing Avenue. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at PhD. Where are you, Linda?
0: At Linda Servich.
1: You can subscribe to this podcast and our entire suite of wonderful pods, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, Pretty much all of us are other than, I think from complex to Queens will continue to go every week, but um, everyone else will be every other week and we'll kind of like stagger it. So it's not going to be, you're going to get all four shows in the same week. You'll probably get a couple of them on the same. You'll probably get one of them on the same cycle as us. And then the others will be in the opposite cycle of us. So you can get, uh still get content every week from at least some of us um and if you want to get all of that you should subscribe on your favorite podcast app of choice please rate and review the podcast it really helps people find it the original intro and outro music to this podcast is by bunga let's go mets and don't forget there is no time.